Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, ye Raptors faithful? Um, it's day three from Victoria, BC. Aiden Moss here, Warren Weisfeld here with his really uh, media badge. Well, that's embarrassing. Just, you just want to look cool. I get it. Um, we just got back from the University of Victoria. Uh, another Raptors training camp day over. Another scrum finito. We spoke with. Kem Birch, Pascal Siakam, and Rico Hines, which is kind of cool. Um, we'll get into that. But first, we wanted to talk about uh, just getting there. Orin and I showed up late. We was a panic. We were locked out. It was a total stress. Yeah. And then we go in, and nothing had started. Everybody was still doing their thing. Guys were shooting. Guys were running their drills. Precious was on his own doing some, like, Combos where we were, what was, yeah, what well, were you feeling while you were there? Well, just to set it up, oh, far left, we had Coloco and Ken Birch doing center drills, yeah, post up stuff. Closer left, we had Precious doing Precious stuff, which was like dribble combos, pull ups, yeah, floaters, just Precious things, yeah, like off, off foot runners, yeah, and then main, main. Far we had uh, Banton and Malachi shooting threes and Wancho. Yeah, and Wancho. And then far right we had OG and Barnes shooting threes, and I'm not sure who else was there. Uh, and then close to us we had like, um, who was it? Well, Coloco came over it and was, they started it, doing big man things. It was initially Boucher Wilson and Boucher, right? And then Coloco came over, and they were running kind of like, uh, yeah. First they were shooting some threes, then they were doing like screens, one dribble, finish at the rim, and then they would get a post-up pass, and then you have to dunk through two of them. Yeah, you have some videos we'll pull up later. Yeah. The first video I have is of, unfortunately, this is the best I can do, I think. I mean, what's better? I'll do that. No, do the other one. You don't want to be seen? No. Okay. Well, here's Precious shooting. Three is at first and step back. Step backs. Yeah, just uh, I was saying, like, as long as this isn't what he's practicing while they actually scrimmage and play each other, I'm okay with the end of the practice precious of getting into his bag. Yeah, well, th- this, is, this is how you excel and develop at the same time. Like you do, and Rico talked about this uh, in the scrum, is like you do what – the organization asks you to do and then you put in the hard work and expand your game and that's like precious is demonstrating that right here and that's what i like about the raptors is that they give guys the the room to grow these parts of their games even though like precious is nominally a center they allow him to work on this stuff and even bust it out in games once in a while and they aren't like too tight around that stuff you know actually that's like this is off topic but last season, like guys like Precious and Scotty, 
had all the room in the world to like try out whatever they wanted. And especially offensively, Nick was really like lenient. I'm curious to see how much it gets scaled back. And uh, if, if maybe Precious attempts to step back three in a game and gets pulled for, you know what I mean? Like, because they are trying to take a step this year. And I think part of taking a step means like, yeah, just like only making plays that you know you're capable of making. I don't know. It's hard because they're developing too, but they aren't. Last year was truly a rebuilding year, and this isn't. So I'm curious, like, how much of that stuff gets taken out. I don't think it's either a rebuilding year or a not rebuilding year. Like, I think it's in the middle, and I think they're going to like. There's obviously expectations on guys as they acquire more experience like Flynn you know there's probably a shorter leash on guys like Flynn and maybe Achua because they're in year th- four and three but they're still they still want these guys to like experiment and grow by failing essentially right like failing upwards and so there's mm-hmm. going to be mistakes I don't think they're going to get yanked we're not deep enough either to be like you know what like precious you're done here comes Thad for 18 minutes right like I don't think I don't think there were that deep that there's going to be that quick of a trigger to, to bench guys, but it is. It is. Yeah. And this is what DJ Wilson and Coloco were practicing ever was yeah. just like, they were fouling them and they were asking him to finish through contact. And Jim San, this guy in the white is like a player development coach. The first time Coloco did the drill, he got fouled and complained. And then he was just like, they're not going to call that. Like you're a rookie. They're not going to call that, and I like that. Just hearing like them prepare them in that way. It, the energy in the in the gym is just so fun. Like they're having such a good time. I don't know who the big guy in the red is, but he was he this is guy? Yeah. yeah John Goodwillie, assistant coach. I think he went to Brock. Actually. Really? Yeah. He's so fun. He's having the best time. Um, that player development coach you mentioned. He runs in on the baseline and boots a ball out of the way. Cause it was rolling under the hoop and they're all like cheering him and pumping him up. Like, Whoa, like didn't see you so spry. Like, um, and, um, yeah, it, it's really fun being out there. Yeah. Um, this drill in particular, I guess the only thing that stood out to me is just like Coloco's range of dunking. Like he can jump from, the outer edge of paint mm, straight like without right. any momentum and like his arms are so long that it just like somehow ends up being a dunk yeah and you like yeah, this is a, a tidbit for post players but he's at the end there on the post entry the ball remains above his head and like between his height and his arms his wingspan like there's very few players that can really you know screw with that so um they're teaching him all the small things but you're right like he's he's the only guy on the team who can really have has that kind of range through his height and length yeah uh last video we got here let's see what it is this it might just be more of this i guess yeah the, i was tracking the oh, shooting funny. from behind oh oh i, wancho I was watching shooting? My, yeah, yeah i was yeah, watching yeah. wancho and flynn and banton yeah so they do like a pull-up shot and then they I think they fade on the screen yeah, yeah. for a three. Yeah. Nice. Banton. Okay, two for two. Yeah. Flynn has a cool like has he he misses this, I think. Yeah, this is this is uh what I'm about to say is very inside baseball and might not be true at all. Well, we got but if that's we, why if, we're here. Honestly, it's Thursday night, it's six thirty in Toronto. People are tuning in. 
to this, they're inside baseballers. They are. I, I was saying Malachi, and maybe you can even see it in this video. Malachi definitely looks stronger in the shoulder and, and arms area than more definition. Yeah, definitely more definition in the arms and also just the shoulders are broader than they used to look. Like that that's the one guy who I definitely noticed got stronger. And maybe it's kind of easier to notice with a guy like Malachi compared to like Scotty, who was already so big and now is probably a little bit bigger. You made a good point though, like his legs look the same. Yeah. And, and I don't know. You can't really change your calves all that much, but like, I think for a guy like him who is small in stature, just generally, like we kind of forget how important that lower part of the body is. I don't know. Have you seen the images of Kawhi lately? Apparently, yeah, like, yeah, he's up his legs. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for that, you know, that that very reason. Yeah. All right. That's all the film we got. Cool. Uh, Good footage. Talk. Yeah, that was great. Great baseball. I thought I had some banners here. Let me try to pull up the banners. Yeah, so you want to start Rico or that was Open Gym. That banner was supposed to be up. Let's talk about Pascal and Birch were the first two guys to talk before Rico. And I thought I thought they both had some interesting quotes. Birch, I guess we should say, because this is newsworthy, that he tore his meniscus last year. Last year. And it didn't show up in like the five uh, MRIs that the Raptors did. Um, very unlucky. And I guess it showed up later. And so he's not 100% and he's not going to be ready to go from the season, it sounds like. That's what like. it sounds like, yeah. Um, and it explains, you know, his struggling last year. He said like it just kept swelling up and they didn't know why. And then when he broke his nose, he had an opportunity to like to not play. And that's when he realized there's something wrong with his knee. Yeah, and that's Ken Birch, just to be clear, because there's a Pascal banner up here. Oh, yeah, right. Um, but the, other than that, it feels like Birch's press conference was mostly about Pascal. Yes, the, <laughs> the theme of the entire thing Day was, was, was Pascal, because yes. he started off, and, and I think I've never seen Pascal really interview before. I thought he was great. He, he He's a no BS kind of guy when you're talking to him, like, he responded to one answer basically saying, like, I'm not going to explain myself. Like, it, it, Oren calls it defensive. I call it, like, straight up whatever, you, you know, whatever you want to, however you want to uh, phrase it. But the the questions for Rico and Kem were around Pascal. And and honestly, I'm going to write about this later, but, like, Kem's response was so sober and, like, mm-hmm. serious. And, you know, you always hear about – Oh, these guys—they work hard. Like they put in hard work, and it, and and I kind of brush it off because they all do. Of course, they do. Like if if you call anybody lazy at at the NBA level or anywhere like around there or lower, you're you're totally wrong. There's no such thing. It's just that they're lazier than perhaps somebody else. So, but when Ken described Pascal, and I, you can probably remember the quote better than I can, he was just so serious, and I and it was really quite captivating. Well, yeah, I mean, from what I remember, he said that Pascal, I don't even think that guy eats breakfast or stretches, probably a boost, just to be clear, he probably stretches, but he works out for two hours before practice, then practices, then works out for another hour, and he said, I've never seen anything like it, and then he said, big season coming, and Rico said something similar, like, when they get to the gym, Pascal always already has a full sweat on, Um so yeah, there was a lot of talk about Pascal's work ethic, and and that that's the kind of stuff you hear about like Kobe. 
you know, and like, right. I'm not saying like, we're not saying anything about Pascal even being a top five player. Like, I, it's nothing to do with that. But when when people are talking in a way that seems hyperbolic, but it's absolutely it's like they're being serious. Like that's when you actually do kind of listen. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't realize that about Pascal. I knew he busts his his hump. Like, there's no like obviously like where he's become. But but to hear this is just it, it to me it brings a different kind of light on Pascal. Yeah. And then Rico was also a refreshing quote because I had never heard him talk before, but him talking about Pascal, he also had a quote that someone just asked, what's been the biggest change from when you first saw Pascal, which was pre-draft to now? And he immediately said just his mentality. And he said, he's meaner now. Mm. He said like, he used to be, and he is a really nice guy and he's always been a really nice guy, but he says like, now he has like a mean streak to him and you need a mean streak to be like a, a top guy in the NBA Yeah, uh, for a lot of like obvious reasons, I think. So yeah, I thought that was another interesting quote. Like I feel like top number one options don't always get talked about this way. Like, right. I feel like if LeBron is on your team or Kawhi is on your team, like, like, yeah, I remember when Kawhi was on the Raptors some guys would have nice things to say about him, but some guys would sidestep questions because they didn't want to like speak clamorously on Kawhi, who was kind of doing his own thing. Yeah, he's probably doing clearly. the opposite. He was just like, not that he wasn't working hard, but it was very choiceful. Yeah, on his own, trying to get preferential treatment, and, and that grinds on role players. And it, it's like to be a number one option and have everyone talk about you in this light, like that's not bullshit. Like guys choose to talk about you this way. Even though the line of questioning is obviously about Pascal, guys are still like going out of their way to shed uh, compliments on him. Yeah, yeah. Again, like that's what I mean. Is that, like, and Cam, Cam strikes me as a pretty quiet guy, mm-hmm. or like he seemed to be in a dour mood. At least I don't know if that's him all the time or not. Maybe just because he's frustrated with what's going on with his knee. But like, but yeah, it's just like he didn't need to be that emphatic about what he was saying about Pascal and he was and so yeah. I, it really like caught me let's talk about Pascal before we move on to Rico Hind runs because I guess like he had that big quote about I want to be a top five player in this league everyone's saying he looks different what for you does he need to add to his game whether it's like realist like something that you would like to see him add or something that maybe something that's more realistic something that's less realistic but like what do you want to see him add to his game in order to reach the next level this season? Well, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I think like two things from I he's almost reached a level that I can't like I if if he were to stay where he were right now, I would be completely yes yeah, fine with if it. He like, was consistent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the next level, like definitely a spot up three, just because I think as soon as that starts falling, you can incorporate him in offenses in a lot of other ways. And also then, you know, leverage guys like Scotty Barnes on mm-hmm. ball or even OG for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to see a, a, a higher rate and a better accuracy uh, from from three. And then I think the last part is just like he, you saw it last year. He was starting to distribute for real. And I'd like to see a full a full year of that. Like averaging six to seven assists a game would be super radical, especially for this team, because He's really the only guy who can get in the paint surgically um, and rip up 
defenses that are kind of already set. And so if he can if he can do that and then find the open guy, um, it's going to do wonders for this team, and and it's also going to boost his chances for you know all star or all NBA. Yeah, I I think the playmaking one is going to happen. Like I would expect that at this point. Uh, the three point shooting I like because a lot of people are talking about a pull up three. I just don't think that's realistic. Like it'd be nice, but I mean, I wouldn't honestly with that work ethic. I wouldn't put it past. Them. That's true. That's true, but maybe not like as soon as this season. No, just to take a huge. It would be a huge jump there. Yeah. Um, for me, foul drawing is a huge one. I think mm-hmm. he averaged like seven uh, free throws last year. There's no reason he can't be a guy who gets in like the eight, nine, ten range. Yeah. Like he has a lot of that physical. I'm gonna hit you first. Um, to his game, and I, honestly, like part of this is he doesn't get a good whistle. Like, I don't think he gets a good whistle compared to a lot of stars in the league. But part of it is him learning tricks. And, like, honestly, I hate to say this. Sometimes in the NBA, you have to learn those tricks to get the calls. It sucks, but it is what it is. And maybe you could learn some tricks like that. Maybe it's just about learning tricks to to know when to go up when when as soon as you feel the hand, which is not really a trick. It's just, like, a a skill. It's a skill. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think him getting to the line a few more times a game would really help this team because there aren't a lot of guys who get to the line on this team at all, and that's that's a one that's one that I think I could see coming as soon as this season, just because like it's already the way he plays. Um, it would just be fine tweaks. That also like getting free throws is so good for your defense too, right? Like it yeah. it enables like everybody gets to rest. You get to go back and set up. Mm-hmm. You get to like unleash Scotty and Gary on whoever is bringing the ball up from the inbounds. But like it does, it really changes the dynamic of how you go down to the other side. For sure. And it also is like the easiest thing to do when you desperately need a bucket Yeah, and you're on the losing end of a run is like, give it to Pascal and let him get to the line. But you know, the part of the, like getting the calls <clears throat> is, is narrative. And like Le- LeBron's yeah, the king of this, right? Like, he whines all off season about not getting his respect or whatever. Yeah. And that's, he knows that's feeding into the organization, into the referee. And so like, it's been smart of, of, of Siakam to make a, a top five quote like this, like put, put respect to his name. You know what I mean? And so maybe, maybe this year we'll see a different kind of uh, um, reception from him, for him from the refs. Yeah. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready. Let's move on. We, Rico. Rico. Rico's got the runs. Rico's got the runs. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That was the name of. That was my article. Yeah. I read that one. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, Rico talked about his runs in the summer. And I think he even talked about, like, how they started. Did he? Oh. How they started the runs? Yeah. Well, he said. He went back a little they, bit. they said why he got into player development. And he was at UCLA. And he said he likes. Uh, he always wanted to get into player development and coaching and he struggled with injuries early in his career. So it kind of naturally progressed to that. And he said his mentor, who I don't know the name, who was a big NBA presence yeah. guy, kind of got him into it. So, yeah, I liked what he said about someone asked, like, what is the one thing someone coming to a Rico Hines run can't do or else they'll get kicked out of the gym. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, I mean, it's clear that he treats everyone the same in there. Like that, that was one thing. And- Except for the, 
top top. Yeah, he said unless you're like a a 35 year old veteran or a six time all star, yeah, you have to run at the end of practice and like they do sprints like full court sprints at the end of practice. And he was like, if you don't do that, that's how you don't get invited back. Um, and then the other thing that he said that I liked was like someone asked him, do you take pride in seeing Siakam blow up and get these recognitions and become kind of the face of these runs? And he said like, yeah, I take a lot of pride in it, but I also take pride in like this guy who I don't know the name of, which is the point. Um, Punter? Something who, you know, was playing in some league getting Poland, the Poland getting $30,000 a year. And he's been coming to my runs working and now he's in the Euro League making a million dollars a year. And like, I take pride just as much in that as I do in Siakam. Yeah. That just kind of shows the kind of dude he is. What I also loved is I just love hearing about like adding color to a player. And he, t- he they asked Pascal, they asked about Pascal's work ethic and obviously he went bananas over it. But then they asked him to compare his work ethic to other guys who's been in his runs who have like, I also have a really high work ethic. And he talked about, like, this is a latter generation, maybe more relevant to some of you than others, certainly to me. But Baron Davis, he said, Monte Ellis, Al Harrington. Like, guys, Baron Davis is maybe a Hall of Famer. The other guys aren't. But, like, you like those guys stuck in the league for a very long time. And Al Harrington actually would have done very well in the modern NBA. Maybe Monte Ellis, too. But... But Monte Ellis, like, small dude, it's cool. It, I don't know, it's just cool to hear, like, first of all, he recognized the hard work these guys put in. And if they're analogous to the amount of work that, like, Pascal's put in, like, that's high praise because Baron Davis is, like, you know, a legit dude. So, um, I, yeah, I like hearing that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the part of that quote that's going to blow up is that he also said Kevin Durant, and then he oh, said, yeah. I put Pascal at the top of that list. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah. Um, what about like the young players, what, what he saw from them and what he kind of looks for from them? Yeah. He mentioned, um, he mentioned kind of what, like, it was interesting to me because I asked that question thinking he was going to respond with particular elements. I thought he was just going to say hustle, to be honest, because that's kind of what he was getting at with his runs is like, you got to put in the work, whoever you are. But he talked about like, towing the organizational line like doing what the organization expects of you and like doing it to the best of your capability and i get like orin and i've talked about this before and and it's a question we have for the younger guys is like when you're going into camp are you are you training beforehand to make yourself the best player you are or are you training to make yourself the best player that you can be for that organization because there, I think there is a difference. Um, Boucher said yesterday as a quote, like, you know, if you come in here and you you think you're a scorer, like we got scores, we don't need scores, be something else. And so I think that's kind of what we're getting at is that you got to come in here and fit the niche or the need that the organization's looking for. And, and that's what, that was Rico's response. Yeah. Like, do you just try to be yourself as a player or do you try to be a Raptors player yeah. when you come into camp? Yeah. And that's like a that's an interesting dynamic. I um the one that stood out to me in Summer League was Jeff Downton for that. It's like that guy he picked up full court 
a lot of his minutes. And I think that's a very good example of a Raptorian thing to do. Right. And I also think that's, yeah, it's a smart veteran as far as like veteran camp tryout guys go. Yeah. Like he's been doing these camps. He's been trying it to make an NBA team. So maybe he knows like at this point, some guys don't know this, but maybe Dow knows like, okay, I can earn some good grace by doing this very Raptorsy thing that, they might like, even if it's not how I would traditionally play. Well, he's also been in the G League a while and a big time scorer and wasn't getting like, wasn't cracking the NBA. So, you know, maybe there's some reflection there. Like I need to do something different. Yeah. You know, honestly, like I wonder if the 905 are competitive every year. I wonder if they could be really good this year. Cause like, I think Downton's going to play for them. Champagne is like, maybe he'll be down there for good stretches. Coloco is going to play for them. That's like a really good G League team. Yeah. If those guys are there. Yeah. Harper Jr. will be there. Harper will be there. Yeah. Gabe Brown. Yeah. Probably. Um, yeah. Could be a really good team this year. Yeah. All right. I that, think that's pretty good. That's about it. Um, so tomorrow, there's, there's a last day of training camp. We're probably not going to podcast after it because there's then the open gym at night. And we're thinking about uh, doing something either at halftime, probably after the game, more yeah. likely. It'll probably be like 10 p.m., 8 it's to 10 p.m. Late. Eastern time. Yeah. Uh, we'll try uh, to do something, whether it's a video or a podcast. Uh, Maybe we'll do a Saturday, too. Yeah, it airport. could be the Saturday morning. Yeah, we'll tweet we'll tweet it out on the Raptors Republic channel. But we definitely want to give you our reactions to the open scrimmage because That'll be the first time we get to see Scotty and Pascal and these guys actually playing. So keep keep your ears out for that. Best way to do it is to subscribe to the our YouTube channel because you'll get alerts for when we schedule a post, which we usually schedule our live shows like an hour ahead of time. And our on Twitter is another good way. You can follow me and Aiden on Twitter. And yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, always a pleasure. Fun. We'll be we'll be back to tomorrow. Peace out.